Question 3. Which verses of the Holy Quran specifically speak of man's love for God or of God's love for man using the very word love? Answer. Let it be clear that the real object of a teaching of the Holy Quran is that just as God is one and without partner, we too should love him without associating any partners with him. This is the meaning of the kalima, La ilaha illallah, there is none worthy of worship except Allah, which is professed by all Muslims. Ilah is a derivative of walahu, meaning the beloved who is worshipped. Neither the Torah nor the Gospel taught this kalima, only the Quran did. The kalima is thus an inherent part of Islam and can be rightly called its distinctive feature. It is proclaimed aloud from minarets five times a day, at times to the irritation of Christians and Hindus. Apparently, they consider it a sin to remember God with love. It is a unique characteristic of Islam that every day at the break of dawn, the Muasin proclaims aloud, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, i.e., I bear witness that we love, adore, and worship no one except Allah. The same call is repeated from mosques in the early afternoon, at Asr, mid afternoon, Maghrib, sunset, and this resounding call also fills the heavens at Isha, evening. Do we find this in any other religion? What is more, the word Islam itself means love. Surrendering oneself to God and being ready in all sincerity to lay down one's life in his path, as signified by the word Islam, is a state that originates from the fountain of love. The word Islam also indicates that the Holy Quran has not confined love to mere verbal profession, but has taught us how to love and sacrifice ourselves in practice. Is there any other religion in the world that has been named Islam by its founder? Islam is indeed a wonderful word which conveys truthfulness, sincerity, and love. Blessed is the faith called Islam. God speaks of divine love in these terms. True believers are those who hold God the dearest. Al-Baqarah, Quran chapter 2, verse 166. I.e., celebrate the praises of Allah as you celebrate the praises of your fathers. Nay, remember him with far greater love. Holy Quran, chapter 2, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 201. Tell them who seek to follow you, my prayer and my sacrifice, and my life, and my death are all for Almighty Allah. Holy Quran, chapter 6, Surah Al-An'am, verse number 163. This means that whoever wishes to follow the Holy Prophet وسلم, should offer the same sacrifice. Elsewhere, he says that if you hold your own life, your friends, your property, and your wealth, Dearer than God and His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then go your separate ways until God decides. He also says, "وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا." 
i.e. believers are those who feed the poor and the orphan and the prisoner solely for the love of God, saying, We feed you only for God's pleasure and his love. We desire neither reward nor gratitude from you. Al-Dahr, Quran chapter 76, verse number 9 and 10. In short, the Holy Quran is full of verses that enjoins us to show our love for God in our word and deed, and to love him more than anything else. As for the second part of the question, pertaining to God's love for mankind, let it be clear that the Holy Quran contains many verses in which God says that he loves those who repent, do good deeds, and exercise patience. Divine love is not like human love, which involves pain and agony of separation. Rather, it means that God treats those who do good deeds in the same way as a lover treats his beloved. But nowhere does the Holy Quran say that God also loves those who love infidelity, sin, and injustice. Rather, in their case, it uses the word ihsan, which is compassion, kindness, benevolence. For instance, it says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ i.e. we have sent thee out of compassion for the entire world. Suratul Anbiya, Quran chapter 21, verse number 108. Since the world includes disbelievers, sinners, and evildoers, God has opened the door of his mercy for them too, and they can also attain salvation by following the guidance contained in the Holy Quran. I also declare that, according to the Holy Quran, God's love for mankind is not such that he should be required to crucify his son and cause him to become accursed in order to redeem the sins of the evil Jews. Curse upon the Son of God will obviously entail a curse upon God himself. God forbid, for, according to the Christians, the Father and the Son are inseparable. Godhood and curse cannot go together. Another point to consider is, by what love did God kill the virtuous and save the wicked? Surely, no righteous person would be guilty of such conduct. The third part of the question is, where in the Holy Quran is it written that man should love his fellow beings? The answer is that, instead of using the word love, the Holy Quran uses two different terms, i.e. mercy and compassion. The word love has been used specifically for God because love culminates in worship. Whenever the word love has been used in connection with human relationships, it does not imply true love. According to Islamic teaching, true love is only for God. Every other love is unreal and is only called love in the figurative sense. But in the case of mankind, the Holy Quran uses the words mercy and kindness instead of love. For love results in worship, while compassion results in sympathy. It is because of their failure to understand this difference that people of other faiths have conferred upon God's creatures what was in fact due to God. I do not believe that Jesus could ever have taught such idolatry. I would rather believe that such abhorrent teachings were added to the Gospels at a later stage, and Jesus was unjustly blamed for them. In short, the Holy Quran uses the word compassion in relation to mankind. As he says, Tawasaw bil haq Al-Asr Quran chapter 103 verse number 4 and Wa tawasaw marhama That is Al-Balad Quran chapter 90 verse 18 i.e. 
believers are those who exhort one another to truth and compassion. Elsewhere, he says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَإِتَاءِ ذِي That is, God enjoins you to show justice to all people. And if you wish to go further, then be kind to them. And better still, show such compassion towards your fellow beings as you would do towards your own kindred. And Nahl, Quran chapter 16, verse number 91. Just consider whether there could be a better teaching than one that does not stop at enjoining compassion for mankind, but goes further and teaches kurba, being kind to others just as one is kind to one's kindred, which results from a natural desire to do good. Often, one who shows kindness expects something in return and at times shows resentment towards those who fail to acknowledge it. Occasionally, swayed by one's emotions, one might even remind others of what one has done for them. But the doing of good through a natural inclination, which the Holy Quran compares to doing good for one's kindred, is indeed the highest and final stage of virtue. It is like a mother's kindness for her child, which is her natural instinct. Obviously, she does not expect any gratitude from a mere infant. These are the three stages set forth by the Holy Quran for fulfilling our obligations to mankind. But when we look at the Torah and the Gospel, we must admit that we do not find such sublime teachings regarding our obligations to our fellow beings. How can we expect them to teach us the first stage of compassion when they have not even fully comprehended the first two? The Torah was revealed only for the Jews and the Messiah came solely for the lost sheep of Israel. Therefore, they were both unconcerned with other people and did not teach about justice and kindness towards them. Their teachings remained confined to the Israelites. If this was not so, why did Jesus, hearing the cries and humble entreaties of a Gentile woman, refuse to show her mercy and say that he had been sent only for the children of Israel? When Jesus did not show any compassion and mercy towards those outside the tribes of Israel, how can we expect him to have given such a teaching? Jesus himself clearly said that he had not been sent to any other people. Hence, it is unreasonable to expect that his teachings would provide any guidance regarding kindness to people of other nations. All the teachings given by Jesus were meant for the Jews. He did not consider himself as having the right to provide guidance to others. How then could he be expected to teach universal compassion? And even if there is something in the gospel which contradicts Jesus' statement that his teachings and his compassion was limited to the Jews, we would consider it an interpolation, for such a contradiction is unacceptable. In the same way, the Torah was solely for the Jews and it declared that his teachings were exclusively for them. The Holy Quran alone is the law that brought universal justice, benevolence, and compassion. God Almighty says, Qul, ya ayyuhannas, inni rasulullahi ilaykum jami'an. Say, O mankind, I have been sent as a messenger to you all. Al-A'raf, Quran chapter 7, verse 159. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We have sent thee as a mercy for all the worlds. Quran chapter 21, Al-Anbiya, 
verse 108.